Uh, the reports are that air travel is back to normal, and uh, I can personally tell you it's true. If anyone's been to an airport, you know they're full, flights are full, flights are getting canceled, so everything is completely back to normal. And it used to be that people would fly and people would travel in order to go to different places and see different things and experience different ways that people would live. But uh, not very long ago, less than a year, when I was in Berlin teaching, we went to Amsterdam, and I walked out of the hotel in the morning, and um, there was a Dunkin' Donuts there. All the main thoroughfares are filled with H&Ms and Zara's and Starbucks. And so you wonder, what exactly are you getting by leaving where you live? because everything seems to be the same wherever you are. Now, I know that's not entirely true, and sometimes you have to scratch a little bit beyond the surface to find something else, but this also goes to make an argument. It is to say that there is a diffusion of experiences and ideas that are far beyond the borders of where we live. I also had the opportunity of going to Israel, and after speaking to many different friends, everyone had the essential same complaint. And that is, why is everything so polarized here? Why are we arguing so much with each other? And I tried to convince them that the condition in Israel is not simply a result or a habit of Jews with arguing with each other. But in fact, the idea of polarization, of arguing, of extremism, is something that's not simply taking place in Israel. It's taking place everywhere. We live in a world that is profoundly polarized. We live in a world of extremes. There is extreme wealth. There are extreme political opinions. And the question is why? The fact of the matter is, no one wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, or makes a plan at the beginning of their intellectual life, that they want to become an extremist. There is no inherent charisma of being an extremist. And in fact, if you ask most people who maybe you think are an extremist or a fundamentalist, they wouldn't judge themselves to be that way. So rather than looking at the pursuit of these ideas and rather than looking at the polarization that exists in the world, as an expression of extremism or fundamentalism, let's understand it in a different way. That fundamentally, when people are trying to become fundamentalists, what they think is that, the, is that they're becoming more authentic. That they're becoming a truer version, that they are observing, pursuing, espousing a truer version of the things that they believe in. And that on the other hand, they look at people or the argument of being a moderate is somebody who lacks purity, someone who is maybe reconciling themselves with conditions, giving up on values. But the fact is, the fact is, is that just because you believe in the strength of a welfare system, it doesn't mean that you're a full-blown socialist. And just because you believe in a free market economy, it doesn't mean 
that you're Oliver Stone's Gordon Gecko or you're Carl Icahn. And just because you believe in the value of religion in your life, it doesn't mean that you're a fundamentalist. And the opposite is also true, by the way. There are people who can't see that. And so there are people who say that because there's a slippery slope and that we should never go down into becoming a socialist state, so we should have no welfare system. And there are people who say that capitalism is a slippery slope, so we shouldn't have any free markets. And there are people who say that religion is inherently bad, and they only look at the most extreme versions of religion. And they ignore the middle of it, the squishy, deep, beautiful middle that enables people to find meaningfulness and value in their life. This idea of extremism is actually an idea about how we live with each other. Because in a world of polarizing opposites, and you in a sense you feel this all the time, you watch the news, you listen to politicians talk, think leaders talk, you, I hope you don't, but maybe you go on, it's not Twitter anymore, it's, it's X, right? Okay. So you go onto X and you, look, and you read and listen to what people broadcast as their thoughts. And it's almost as if everyone is falling over the other. They become more extremist, more vocal, more volumized. Because they think that by being more extreme in something, that they're becoming more authentic and the truer version of what it is. And when you look back over the history of the past 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, you can easily analyze it to figure out where it's gotten us. How that's happened? Ah, it's a long story. I think in part, I think in part when you look at the early political and religious life of the Western world, starting in the modern era, it was enormously, enormously reconciling. You look at the political environment of the 1950s and 60s and 70s, by manner of example, if you looked at the laws that were passed in the American Congress, the numbers of Republicans and Democrats that co-sponsored and voted for each other's bills would shock you, shock you. So what happened over the past 20 years to completely annihilate any sense of cooperation well, hopefully you don't have it with you because it's Shabbat now. But after Shabbat, when you turn on your cell phone, the ability of people to choose what they listen to, to choose to ignore because I don't follow those Twitter feeds, I don't tune into those news channels, I don't listen or read those opinion pieces, that's a hint of how we've gotten to where we are. So how do we learn to live with each other? My argument is, actually, when you look at the Torah portion for this morning, there's a beautiful, a beautiful ceremony that takes place as the Israelites are about to enter into the land of Israel. This ceremony, which is envisioned that will take place once they enter in, will be in a valley. And in between two mountains, Mount Ebal, and Mount Tabor, they're actually up north in Israel today. If you have a chance, next time you go to Israel, 
Mount Ebal isn't so easy to get to. Mount Tabor is. And there's a huge valley in between. On both sides, on tops of the mountains, stood the Levites. And they would call out a blessing and a curse. Blessed is he or she who does this. And cursed be the one who does that. And after each blessing or each curse was recited, the people would answer, Amen. But where were the people? Were they on top of the mountain on the left? Or were they on top of the mountain on the right? The people were in the middle in the valley. One of my teachers, and a shout out to all the Montrealers who were here, the late, great Dr. David Hartman. In 1998, I heard him give a lecture in Israel. And at one point, he was talking about Moses Maimonides and the theories about an open religious system, a religion that essentially is based on rationalism and liberalism in its best sense, that you listen to all views, you're open to all approaches. And then he takes his hand and he slams on the desk and he says, in his particular Americanized with this heavy accent in Hebrew, he says, Al-Tiknu, do not give it to the extremists to steer this religion. In the early 1990s, going back to Israel, in the early 1990s in Israel with the Oslo Accords and the peace agreements, the dream amongst the left in Israel was that they would have a full leftist government where they can enact and see all of the plans that they had. And that leftist government, in fact, emerged in the 1990s as a result of the Begin government and the Lebanon war. And, and as a result of having a complete leftist government where they didn't have to listen to anyone in the middle and anyone on the right, they enacted a series of policies that destroyed the Israeli left. There is no leftist movement for fact in Israel. It is a marginal political movement today. And then the dream of the Israeli right, starting from the late 1990s, was an expression of what they said, as they expressed it, Yamin El Male. In other words, a rightist government to the very, very maximum. And they have that now. And what do you think is going to be the outcome of that? That five or 10 or 15 years from now, there will be no right government or right political movement in Israel. They would have destroyed their credibility because now armed with the government of this maximalist right government, they are destroying any connection they have to the middle of how people fundamentally want to live. People want to figure out how to live together. One of the great messages, even though you might not believe it, that religion has to share with all of us is the image from the Torah portion this morning. From the mountaintops to the left and right, the priests called out blessings and curses. But the people, all of the people, 
We're together in the middle, at the bottom. Shabbat Shalom.